Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond. Guys, we are six days away from kickoff. Today is Monday, Labor Day. Happy Labor Day to everybody out there. Guys, just six days away, a week from yesterday, this upcoming Sunday, Colts, Jaguars, week one, pumped up, ready to rock, ready to break down the initial 53-man here, locked and loaded for week one. Guys, with football season coming up, please make sure you subscribe to the For the Culture podcast. Turn on your notification bell so you get a notification every time we drop a podcast. Hit the like button. Subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, all your favorite podcasting platforms. The roster is set. I'm ready to go. Just getting amped up thinking about it. And we'll go through position by position, give the biggest takeaways, the biggest concerns, if anything really shocked us during the last three days. The initial roster came out a couple days ago, a couple minor changes. That's why we waited to go through this breakdown. So let's start off. With the offense, a couple positions were pretty obvious. We'll start off with the signal caller, the quarterback position. Phillip Rivers, obviously, he's our starter. Jacoby coming back, last year's starter. He'll be this year's very well-paid backup quarterback. And then Jacob Eason making the roster as the third quarterback. So we will carry three quarterbacks. I think we all expected to carry three quarterbacks because Jacob Eason, there was no real opportunity for him to play himself really on or off this roster. He would have had to come in and have been terrible in training camp. He would have had to have been terrible in the preseason, which didn't exist. So there was no opportunity for the Colts to see anything in this kid that told them they were wrong in the fourth round. There was no reason to take a flyer. So we knew that the Colts would use one of those 53 spots and carry a third quarterback. So three quarterbacks on the roster in 2020. You have Phillip Rivers, the borderline Hall of Famer, Jacoby Brissett, the proven backup, and Jacob Eason, hopefully the future who we drafted and will develop under two solid pros with a former quarterback in your head coach and Frank Reich over the next year or so. The running back position, again, a position where I think everybody had these four guys making it, led by Marla Mack, our returning starter from last year, rushed for over 1,000 yards last season for the first time in his career. He'll be splitting carries with a very talented second-round pick out of Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor, who is the only player in FBS history to rush for over 6,000 yards in just three seasons. So we have sky-high expectations for the rookie out of Wisconsin. And then, of course, Naheem Hines, who is a Swiss Army Knife flex player out of the backfield. He is going to catch a ton of passes from fellow former Wolfpack quarterback Phillip Rivers. They're going to have a big connection, not only out of the backfield, but you could also line Naheem Hines up in the slot. And his skill set is so unique, you could line him up out wide. So the Colts are going to use Naheem Hines all over the field, plus what he brings to the table on special teams. And we saw that last year, late in the season, against the Carolina Panthers, taking two to the house, three big returns in that game. Naheem Hines was fantastic, giving us not only a spark, but putting 14 points up on the board in the return game. I thought you could have made the argument that he had an all-pro season as a punt returner last year in only a handful of games. I think only nine returns taken over for Chester Rogers late in the season. And then rounding out the running back core, Jordan Wilkins, who's only averaging 5.8 yards per carry over the first two years of his career. So he is the fourth running back 
in this running back room. He's averaging 5.8 yards per carry in his NFL career, over 110 career carries the last two seasons in Indianapolis. So this is an extremely deep and extremely talented and extremely explosive running back room. I am pumped top to bottom. You feel comfortable handing any of these four guys the rock. They're able to block. They're able to hold on to the football. Obviously, we do need to see that from Jonathan Taylor. He did have fumbling issues at Wisconsin. But you look at Mack, Hines, Wilkins, and then you go back to last year with Jonathan Williams as well. Those four running backs in 2019, 399 carries, only one fumble. Now, the chances are we do not see that duplicated this year. The room for error is much greater than the room for improvement. It outweighs the room for improvement 398 to 1. So the chances are we do see that number tick up in 2020. But Tom Rathman puts a huge emphasis on ball security. I expect Jonathan Taylor to see an improvement in fumble percentage per 100 carries. And you got to expect this core to hold on to the football again. Maybe not to last year's extent, but I do not expect this group to put the ball on the turf too often. The wide receiver position is where, I guess you could say, is where some of the surprises begin. Obviously, you have T.Y. Hillen, you have Zach Pascal, you have the very talented rookie Michael Pittman Jr., our first pick of the 2020 draft in the second round. Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC. Paris Campbell, of course, returning for his second season. We need him to stay healthy this year. But those four guys were locks. The controversy started after those four in the last spot or two. Were the Colts going to carry five? Were the Colts going to carry six? And then you had a pretty solid competition. You have Dereese Fountain going into year three. You have Marcus Johnson coming off a pretty productive year last year where he didn't make the initial roster. We call him up during the year. He's starting games for the Colts in the mid to late portion of the season and played pretty well, in my opinion, due to the limitations the Colts had at quarterback. So you had Marcus Johnson, you had Dereese Fountain, and then you have the sixth-round rookie, Desmond Patton, and you have the special team specialist in Ashton Doolin, who brings that to the table, and that's usually what you're looking for with your sixth wide receiver. So we had the four locks, Desmond Patton, and you got to give him a ton of credit. Coming in a sixth-round pick against all odds, you don't have a rookie minicamp, OTAs are canceled, you get into training camp late, there's no preseason, you beat out the veteran in Marcus Johnson. Extremely impressive to get, in my opinion, what would be the fifth spot in this receiving core. And then rounding it off, you have Ashton Doolin, who brings that special teams ability, which is a theme throughout this roster, which we will get into later on when I go through my biggest takeaways, because you have Doolin, you have Glasgow, obviously Blankenship beats out McLaughlin. So the emphasis on special teams that Ballard put when putting this roster together, I think is glaring in multiple different position groups because last year we were just not a good team on special teams and it wasn't all Venetary. Venetary was a big part of that, but getting kicks blocked, giving up big returns, the Colts are much, much better right now on paper in terms of special teams. Looking at the tight end position, obviously Jack Doyle, your Pro Bowl tight end, he's your number one tight end. Trey Burton will start the season injured, but he does make the 53-man roster, so we don't pop him. He will be on this 53-man roster heading into week one. You hope to get him back as soon as possible. And then, of course, 
Moali Cox. So those are your top three tight ends. Those would be the only three tight ends to make this roster had Trey Burton been healthy. But due to the fact that he won't be healthy, we needed to make a move. This was the only waiver wire claim the Colts made. And at first, we thought it was going to be Xavier Grimble. It's impossible for us last week to predict which tight ends around the league are going to be released, who the Colts are going to go after. And we did have options for familiar faces. Russ Travis, who's been in Indy before, was released by the Jets. Hale Henkes, who's been in Indianapolis before, was released by Washington. So there were options out there to bring in guys who we were familiar with. We elect to go with Noah Tungai. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I apologize if I didn't. But he was released by Philadelphia. He played last year. Pac-12 guy. So a big Pac-12 year for Chris Ballard and the Colts. In the draft, we drafted four Pac-12 players. You got Julian Blackman defensively, and Utah played Oregon State. So they played against each other. So maybe Noah popped on film when Ballard was watching Utah defensive film, drafting and scouting Julian Blackman. And then, of course, we have Jacob Eason, we have Michael Pittman Jr., and we have Desmond Patton. So we drafted four guys out of the Pac-12 this year. Now we signed Noah, who was... An undrafted free agent picked up by the Eagles. The Eagles liked him a lot, and there was a report coming out of Philadelphia that the Eagles didn't want to just pick him back up and sign him to the practice squad. They had a plan to eventually sign him back and put him on their active 53-man roster. That was a report. I forgot who reported it, and I hate doing this without giving credit where credit is due, but I know it was somebody from the Indy Star, maybe Joel from the Indy Star, so shout-out to Joel for breaking that news, but... Noah was a guy who almost went back to the Eagles organization. Ballard was able to scoop him up. I'm sure Reich has some inside stuff there with the Eagles and then the Colts scouting the Pac-12 very heavily in 2019. So we knew the Colts could not go into a season with three tight ends on the depth chart when one isn't available. We knew that Chris Ballard was going to add another tight end. Frank Reich runs way too many two tight end sets. And now with Phillip Rivers, who loves throwing over the middle, to tight ends, we knew that the Colts were going to dress three on Sunday. The Colts couldn't go into a game with only two healthy tight ends, so we needed a placeholder for a couple of weeks just to get Trey Burton back. That's what this Noah Tungai signing is. So now we have four tight ends on the roster. We'll go into the season with these four tight ends. Trey Burton comes back. Doyle and Cox stay healthy. I would assume that Noah is released, and maybe we try to get him back to the practice squad because obviously – Guys like Xavier Grimble and anybody else we had, any other tight ends we had in camp, clearly did not make the cut to make this roster either initially or now heading into week one. Another position of controversy when it comes to backups, the offensive line. Obviously, from left to right, you have Costanzo, Nelson, Kelly, Glowinski, Smith. None of those five guys were in jeopardy of getting cut. They're all under contract for at least the next two seasons. And we had that nice big payday for Ryan Kelly this week. So obviously Costanzo's safe, Nelson's safe, Kelly's safe, Glowinski's safe, Smith safe. And then it comes down to the backups. We believe that LaRaven Clark was safe all along as your backup left tackle, backup tackle period. If he had to play on the left, if he had to play on the right, if God forbid Costanzo or Smith were to go down. So LaRaven Clark making this roster for what is it now, the fifth? consecutive year the fourth fifth consecutive I think fifth consecutive year now and he was re-signed earlier this offseason so LaRaven Clark is back 
Danny Pinter, the rookie out of Ball State. Think a fifth-round pick out of Ball State. We expected Pinter to make this roster as a backup interior lineman. And then we ended up carrying eight offensive linemen, the eighth being, drumroll please, Chaz Green. Did not expect that. That was probably my biggest surprise, which we'll get into later in the podcast. My biggest surprise was probably Chaz Green making this roster. Did not expect, did not anticipate that. Yes, he has some starting experience at tackle under his belt, which I like because I wanted some experience after losing Joe Haig and losing Josh Andrews. We wanted some experience with these backup O-linemen, and he has experience on a really good line in Dallas. But the problem is, on that really good line, when he had to start, he wasn't very good. So when you look at LaRaven Clark and you look at Chaz Green, it reminds me of that Spider-Man meme when you have the Spider-Man pointing at the other Spider-Man who's pointing back at the original Spider-Man. And that's what I see right now between LaRaven Clark and Chaz Green. I see two left tackles pointing at each other, neither one of them able to stop speed rushers. So I trust Chris Ballard. I trust Frank Reich. I trust their valuation. I trust that they see guys who are able to plug and play if, God forbid, one of our tackles were to go down. So those are your backup tackles, Clark and green hopefully we don't need to exercise that depth and hopefully costanzo and hopefully smith stay healthy all year and then i like the interior depth i'm a fan of danny pinter i don't love the backup center spot i would have liked to have seen hunt get that spot and maybe only have carried one tackle or carried nine offensive linemen to get a little bit of experience there so you could have a backup center who's played before, which we don't really have too much backup center experience right now. I guess Danny Pinter is your backup interior lineman for those three interior spots. So I trust, again, Chris Ballard. I trust Frank Reich. If that's the direction they decided to go with the backup O-line, I put my faith in them. And let's just, again, hope that none of our starters go down. And, of course, at any position, you never want to see starters go down. You don't want to see Phillip Rivers go down. You don't want to see Marlon Mack go down. You don't want to see T.Y. go down. But there's some positions you just feel a little bit better about if somebody were to go down, like, for instance, the running back spot or the linebacker spot because we're so incredibly deep at those positions. And that wraps up the offense, quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, O-line, not too many surprises. I was a little bit surprised that Marcus Johnson got cut. But if Desmond Patman came in and he was better than him, I'm not too surprised. This is not the first time Marcus Johnson's been cut from this roster. And when we re-signed Marcus Johnson, it was right before the draft. So maybe Ballard signed him as an insurance policy if he only came out of the draft with one wide receiver. And then we come out of the draft with two wide receivers. So that probably shook things up. From Marcus Johnson, I love Darius Fallon, but I'm not surprised he didn't make the roster. When you look at what he's done up until this point in Indianapolis, there really isn't all that much there. He's played in one game at the end of the Chiefs game. He dropped a walk-in touchdown. Last year, he had a good start to camp, a great start to camp, good start to the preseason with that first preseason game against Buffalo. Breaks his ankle the next week. It was just very unfortunate. His preseason gets cut short last year. This year, no preseason. So I feel for Darius Fallon. Luckily, we're able to get him back to the practice squad. I think Ballard also knew that he would be able to get him back to the practice squad because there's literally no tape on Darius Fallon. So I think Ballard was pretty confident he would be able to get him back if he wanted him back, which he was able to do. 
which is great, but a player, my heart goes out to him. I did not expect him to make this roster, but it still sucks to see a good, hardworking player get his opportunity cut short, and that's really the worst part. The fact that last year, it's not his fault he gets hurt, and then this year he worked so hard to get back, and then because of the virus, the preseason gets canceled, and he doesn't have that opportunity to prove what he's able to do on the field and he has to prove it on the practice field obviously there's less reps and everything that goes into it so very unfortunate but it's just part of the business a lot of guys got screwed over without a preseason this year moving over to the defensive side of the football we'll start off with the defensive line an improved position an extremely deep position you have Danico Autry who we'll start off with he could play inside he could play outside I think they're going to use him a little bit this year at defensive end which should be interesting. The second-year player, Ben Banigou, who flashed at times last year, high hopes, expectations for Ben Banigou. At that three-tech position, DeForest Buckner, as I just go down the line here, so I'm kind of out of order all over the place, but DeForest Buckner, obviously the three-tech, we trade our first-round pick to San Francisco to bring in Buckner, all-pro caliber three-tech, and Ballard set in the offseason. Before we made this move, the three-tech drives this defense he's going to absorb that double team he's going to make everybody else's job on this defense easier he's going to cover up two guys letting Darius Leonard run free back there and make a ton of plays so could not be more amped up to watch DeForest Buckner make his Colts debut on Sunday Justin Houston coming off a double digit sack season the veteran on this defense one of the vets on this team his second year in Indianapolis now after coming over from Kansas City Justin Houston hungry for a Super Bowl plays all those years in Kansas City then comes over to Indianapolis his first year out of Kansas City Kansas City goes out and they win a Super Bowl so you know he's hungry Tyquan Lewis who's kind of this year's defensive line version of Quincy Wilson going into year three has a lot to prove. We really haven't seen it out of him yet. Has battled through injury after injury. Can Tyquan Lewis finally make that leap this year and be the player we thought he was going to be coming out of Ohio State in that ridiculously loaded 2018 draft class for the Colts? He's kind of been one of the few, I don't want to say busts, but one of the few disappointments in that class. So he has a lot to prove this season for the Colts. Al-Qadim Muhammad, another edge guy who I'm a big fan of. I see him starting week one opposite of Justin Houston as we wait for Trey to get back. Trey unfortunately placed on the pup as I think we kind of expected. You didn't really hear much out of him. And we're only 11 months removed from a 12-month injury. It's going to turn into a 13-month injury with that extra month of rehab when he comes off the pup in November. So Al-Qadim Muhammad, high-energy, high-motor player. Excited to see what he's able to bring to the table now. His third year in Indianapolis, fourth year in the NFL. Taylor Stallworth coming over from the Saints, and he pretty much outplayed as far as interior D-line goes. He pretty much outplayed Windsor, the rookie out of Penn State. The only rookie that the Colts drafted to not make the 53-man roster were able to get him back on the practice squad. But Stallworth coming in late, a late pickup by Ballard, played him off the roster. Stallworth making the roster. And then Grover Stewart, the one-tech, very solid, very underrated year last year for the Colts. So that's a solid D-line group. 
Day also started the year. I think on the injured reserve, he will be unavailable at least the first few weeks. The IR rules, I should have looked it up before I started recording the podcast, but the IR rules changed this year. I think you could be on the IR for the first three weeks, which is a good sign that they didn't place Burton on it because that might mean he's back after week one or after week two. So that wraps up the D-line room. A little bit of controversy here, at least going into the roster breakdown and whittling everything down to 53 from 80 to 53. We looked at the top seven linebackers and we thought, okay, there's only going to be five or six. I think we all pretty much expected six. And the Colts keep all seven. So going into it, I thought there was a little bit of controversy. It was going to be between Zaire Franklin, Matt Adams, and the rookie Jordan Glasgow. All three guys make the roster for the Colts in 2020. So obviously, Darius Leonard, you're all pro, one of the stars, one of the captains of this team. He was a lock. Anthony Walker was a lock. Bobby Okereke was a lock. Some people thought EJ Speed might be on the chop block. I thought he was a lock all the way. So you know, those four guys were locks. Then there was three guys competing for two spots. Some people thought the Colts would only carry five. I was never one of those people. I thought it was six all along. Turns out to be seven. So I thought between Matt Adams, Jordan Glasgow, Zaire Franklin, there was only going to be two spots. You look at Zaire Franklin, what he's been able to do over the last couple of years. He's more versatile. He can play all three spots defensively and helps you out in special teams. Matt Adams, a little bit more limited defensively, also helps you out in special teams. Both guys, very durable, playing in all 32 games over the last two years. And then Jordan Glasgow coming in from Michigan, a tremendous special teams player. Ballard putting a huge emphasis on special teams while putting this roster together. All three guys make it. So you have Adams, Franklin, Glasgow, Leonard, Okariki, Speed, Walker. Seven linebackers, which shocked a lot of people when Chris Ballard was asked about it yesterday. Ballard said, we have seven good players, seven players we like a lot. And he didn't see a reason to cut any of the seven. So he keeps all seven linebackers. Can't really disagree with that logic. You have seven players you like a lot. You have seven players that you think are all NFL caliber plus players. You bring them back, you put them all on the roster, and you find ways for them to contribute in any way, shape, or form during the year. I don't expect all seven to dress every week. Obviously, I think we'll see Matt Adams as a healthy scratch a bunch of times, maybe here or there for Zaire Franklin. Same thing depending on that week's matchup. But seven linebackers on the active 53-man roster. The corner position, not a lot of controversy, but I am a little bit worried about the depth in the boundary. So you have, obviously, Kenny Moore. He is an all-pro caliber player, but unfortunately, when they vote for these awards, they don't care about the slot corner. They don't care about nickel packages. But Kenny Moore, tremendous, tremendous player. Obviously, he was a lock. Xavier Rhodes coming in, a Pro Bowl, all-pro player in his prime. Pro Bowl last year, even though he had a down year with the Minnesota Vikings. He's coming in, replacing pretty much Pierre Desir. As one of your boundary corners, so he was a lock to make it. And then Rocky Asin, also a lock to make it. We saw great strides throughout the course of his rookie season last year. Had a really rough game against the Broncos in the midway point of the season. And then after that, just got better and better and better. So those three corners were locks. TJ Carey became a lock once Marvell Tell decided to opt out due to the coronavirus. At that point, TJ Carey became a lock. And then you also have the rookie, the sixth-round pick out of UMass, 
to make the roster. Another guy can help you on special teams was a fantastic kickoff returner at UMass. So you look at this cornerback room, love Kenny Moore, have high hopes that Xavier Rhodes could bounce back in Indianapolis, less man, more zone. Hopefully that helps an aging corner out. And then Rakia Sin, what we saw at the later portion of the season last year, I expect him to build off of that and come in as a shutdown. I expect him to be locking up receivers and shutting down one side of the field. And that's what Ballard saw when he drafted him last year out of Temple. And he got better and better and better as the year went on. So I like the top three guys. I like the three guys who will be starting in a variety of packages, the two boundary corners, and then Kenny Moore in the slot. And then the depth, I expected to carry six, to be honest, whether it be Smith or whoever it might be. I expected to carry one more. Marvell Tell opting out hurt us. And out of the three guys who opted out, he was really the only one that hurt us and the only one out of the three guys to opt out who was going to make this roster. It would have been nice if he was playing this year. He's not. He's got to do what he's got to do. you got to respect that. T.J. Carey's going to have to step up. And then the rookie, Isaiah Rogers, he's also going to have to step up. And then hopefully he's able to bring what he brought to UMass to the Colts on special teams as a kickoff returner. But T.J. Carey, he's going to have a lot on his plate as that first line of defense because I think he's going to fill in as your first option when you have two boundary corners if either Rock or Rhodes were to go down. And then I think he'll also be your number one backup slot guy if Kenny Moore were to go down, even though Isaiah Rogers is also your backup slot. So five corners, a little bit surprising. Thought they were going to carry six. I anticipate Ballard to still actively be looking. A lot of boundary corners around the league were let go over the last couple days, and I think that's something Ballard's going to keep an eye on moving forward to bring at least one more in, and that roster spot should open up. When Trey Burton comes back, you're going to definitely cut Noah Tungai, and then you're going to have that one spot. That spot could be for another boundary corner. And then the safety position, the miraculous recovery of Julian Blackman, he makes the active roster. So he's not on the IR. He's not puffed. He is on the active 53-man roster. So God bless him. He recovered from that ACL in, I think, under 10 months. So God bless him. Malik Hooker coming off a great camp. That's what everybody's saying. Everybody who's at camp said Malik Hooker had a tremendous camp. So you expect what we've expected now for four years out of Malik Hooker. Can he be that ball-hawking safety who roams the secondary and has 7 to 10 picks this year. Can he put together a Pro Bowl season? His back's against the wall. He's playing for a contract. He's extremely young. He's going to get paid next year by somebody. Will it be in Indianapolis? Only time will tell. But he's due for a big season. He's now almost two full years or three full years removed from that ACL. He has to come in now and prove this is why I was a first-round pick in 2017. And I think he will do it. I think with all the talent on this defense, he's going to have a bounce-back big year for the Colts. George Odom, a player that Ballard has been very fond of in the past. George Odom coming in as depth. And then, of course, you have Kari Willis, who will be your other starter. Willis and Hooker will start. Kari Willis will be your starting strong safety. Hooker, your starting free safety. And then Tavon Wilson, who we brought in a little bit late in camp. We signed, so... Wilson also making this roster. Wilson, Odom, and Blackman will be your depth pieces. Odom gives you a little bit of versatility there. 
and then Julian Blackman will be your backup free safety behind Malik Cooker. So a pretty solid safety core. And then on special teams, the long snapper Luke Rhodes. I don't think there was any controversy there. We really only had one long snapper on the roster. He's been solid the last couple of years. No reason to let him go. No reason to change. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Same thing with the punter situation. There was, I don't think, even any competition for Rigoberto Sanchez. He's been really solid. I think he came to Indianapolis in 2017, first year. He replaced Pat McAfee, first year of Chris Ballard, of course. So you have your punter, your long snapper. And then Rodrigo Blankenship won the kicking battle, which is great for the future of Indianapolis. It's also great for the present because he had a tremendous career at the University of Georgia. He was the best kicker in college football last year. His upside is through the roof. And I know it might be a little bit funny to talk about upside at the kicking position, but his upside is just point blank higher than Chase McLaughlin. And it might be funny now, but when he's booting them from 55, 57, 60 yards, we'll say, you know what? I'm glad we took the guy with all of that upside. I'm glad it's now paying off and the field has now shrunk. The offense doesn't need to get to the X, the 30 yard line, the 25 yard line to get in field goal range for McLaughlin. We're in field goal range now because our kicker has a booming leg. So very, very excited for Rodrigo Blankenship. Had multiple opportunities to interview him at the Senior Bowl. At the Senior Bowl, nobody wanted to talk to the kickers. Nobody wanted to talk to the punters. I wanted the Colts to either draft Blankenship late or sign him as an undrafted free agent, as we did, which now that expands the streak to 22 consecutive years for the Colts to have an undrafted free agent make the 53-man roster heading into week one. A very impressive streak for those 22-plus players over the last 22 years. Rodrigo Blankenship extending that streak. But I wanted him, and I'm at the Senior Bowl, have multiple opportunities to interview this kid. Nobody wants to talk to the kickers. He's just standing on the sideline like an idiot. I'm chasing Kinlaw around the practice field, trying to get an interview. I, of course, never get my Kinlaw interview. The Colts trade out of the 13th spot. We end up trading for DeForest Buckner, and then the 49ers use that pick to draft Kinlaw. Never get my Kinlaw interview. The Colts don't land Kinlaw, and now Rodrigo Blankenship is our kicker, not just for the present, but I believe for the long-term future. I think this kid has a bright future in the NFL. And then the practice squad guys, Andre Chachuri, I'm sorry I can't pronounce that. If Jason was on, he would have given me the pronunciation. Cornerback, Cameron Klein, defensive tackle. Jake Elderenkamp, offensive guard. And a lot of people thought that he had a chance to make this roster. He doesn't, but we're able to get him back to the practice squad. Doris Fallon, wide receiver. Household name at this point, even though he's never played. It's very rare to have a guy like Fallon who is... A household name, a fan favorite. Everybody's rooting so hard for this kid. Gets cut, but gets signed back to the practice squad. So very happy for him. Farad Green, tight end. Jerry Green, defensive end. Last year, we never really liked that pick. Got cut twice. Back to the Colts practice squad again. Xavier Grimble, tight end. At first, we thought he was going to make this roster because we didn't know what else would be out there. We signed Noah Tungai. We cut Grimble, but we get him back to the practice squad. Michael Harris, wide receiver. Joey Hunt, center. I think at some point we're going to bring him up because it's nice to have a backup center 
with actual NFL experience. If, God forbid, Kelly were to go down, I think it would just be nice to have a backup center dressing on game day who has experience. So even without Kelly going down, I would like to bring him up and have him as a guy who dresses just to have a backup center with a little bit of NFL experience. Chad Kelly, quarterback, the Swag Kelly fans, very, very disappointed he didn't make the roster. They're living in some type of alternate delusional universe. Never expected him to make the roster. Carrying a fourth quarterback. I don't really see the point. I probably would have only carried the three, and then I would have given Jacob Eason all those practice squad reps, let him go against the first-team defense as you continue his development. We go with the fourth quarterback. You have extra spots this year due to coronavirus. I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world. And, hey, if the quarterback room were to get hit with coronavirus, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world to have a fourth quarterback in the system who knows the offense. Really, 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 really hope it doesn't come to Chad Kelly starting or Chad Kelly even sitting. That would mean two quarterbacks go down or two quarterbacks get sick. But Chad Kelly is on the practice squad. Some people have been joking on Twitter that Jim Kelly, who's Chad Kelly's Hall of Fame uncle, played with Frank Reich in Buffalo, is blackmailing Frank Reich to keeping him on this roster. I don't think I would go that far with it, but Chad Kelly will be on the roster. Carter O'Donnell, offensive tackle, kid out of Canada, CFL. Some people thought he had a chance to make this roster. I just don't think he really had the opportunity without the preseason this year but we're able to get him back to the practice squad which is cool Traymond Smith cornerback I actually thought he was going to make this roster one of the few guys that I was wrong about I really thought he was going to make this roster doesn't make the roster also thought we were going to carry six corners which I was wrong about we don't we only carry five corners but we're able to keep him in the system on the practice squad Chris Williams defensive tackle and then Rob Windsor defensive tackle Rob Windsor the only draft pick for Ballard and the Colts in the 2020 draft to not make this initial week one 53-man roster, but we keep him in the program, we keep him in the system on the practice squad, which is great because from everything I've heard, he had a really good camp. There was just so much depth, so much competition. He got outplayed for that spot, but that doesn't mean that he can't get called up at some point and prove that he does belong on the Colts 53-man roster. So a really solid draft class. With how many picks do we have? Nine picks. If we had nine, eight made the roster. If we had eight, seven made the roster. So another great job by Ballard drafting guys who belong in the NFL. And you go back over Chris Ballard's career now, four drafts. Every player Chris Ballard has ever drafted is currently on either an NFL roster or an NFL practice squad. Ballard is still batting 1,000% in drafts, which is absolutely crazy. So biggest takeaways while looking at this roster first off seven linebackers surprised by seven linebackers but Ballard explained himself well when you have seven players you really like it's tough to cut one and he didn't see a reason to cut one so he decides to keep all seven on the roster five corners I was surprised in the other direction I thought that linebacker was a little bit heavy I thought corner was a little bit light I know we lose Marvell Tell but I really thought we would keep Smith on the roster or go out and sign a depth piece at corner to play the boundary. I was surprised by the backup center spot, which we don't really have. I assume, I guess it's Pinter, is our backup center to start the season. I thought we would keep Hunt, so I was surprised by that. 
Marcus Johnson, I guess you could say, was a surprise slash takeaway, the wide receiver position. I wouldn't say I'm surprised by Johnson getting cut as much as I am pumped up about Desmond Patman coming in and proving that he belongs and earning that spot. I love the fact that without a preseason, with all the odds stacked against him, he was able to come in. And yes, Marcus Johnson was banged up, and that might have hurt him a little bit. Patman comes in. He earns that job. He wows the coaches. Frank Reich said he made a big impact immediately, and then he just kept riding that throughout camp. So it's not like he was up and down and up and down. He came in. Wow. And then, wow, kept it going throughout the course of camp, which is what you love to see from these young players. You don't want him to come in, have a great first three days, and then disappear for four days, and then come back, and then disappear, and come back. So he came in, he wowed the coaches, and he just kept riding that even spot throughout camp, earning the spot, which I thought was awesome. No surprise at a bunch of positions. And then the tight end position, at first I was stunned that we only had three on the roster, one being Burton, who won't be available to start the season. So that was my biggest surprise and my biggest takeaway because Frank Reich runs so many two tight end sets. I could not see us only dressing two tight ends on Sunday against the Jags, but obviously we make that work. We end up signing a guy, claiming him off the waiver wire, and now we have three tight ends dressing this Sunday with Trey Burton currently banged up and then Kamoko Ture starting the season on the pup hoping to get him back as soon as possible which I think is early November and it makes sense because he hasn't had contact practices he hasn't gone full pads obviously no preseason and even if there was a preseason he wouldn't have been able to go so that's a player that I can't wait to see Kamoko get back out there we're gonna have to wait a little bit longer until at least November guys so freaking pumped up for Colts football. Just six days away from week one. Please make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, five-star rating on Apple, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, all your favorite podcasting platforms. Turn on the notification bell if you're listening on YouTube so you could get a notification every time we drop a podcast. Comment, like, greatly, greatly appreciated by Jason and myself. Guys, we're going to be back in a couple days with the Week 1 Colts-Jags game preview, breaking down the matchup between the Colts and the Jaguars in Week 1. It's been a wild ride this offseason. With everything that's gone on, we are here. Football starting up. Couldn't be more excited to break down what we see happening in week one to give you our keys to the game on offense, our keys to the game on defense, our key matchup, and of course, our week one score predictions. Could not be more excited for Colts football. Just six days away. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, and this is the Fourth Culture Podcast. <laughs>